2: Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast, a podcast where we take down Scott Pilgrim.
3: I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And this time we're getting him for sure. I'm Pete.
2: And we are going to be talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the 2010 movie based on the comic book series directed by Edgar Wright, starring a bevy of stars, an array Uh, of celebrities. Before we get heroes. into that, though, I-, I wanted to talk about something entirely different, if that's okay with you guys, hmm. on our Scott Pilgrim podcast. You want to talk about the weather? I want to talk. I want the news, not the weather. You know what I'm talking about, Pete? Oh, man.
3: This guy loves the news. I
2: went to the Scott Pilgrim panel at New York Comic Con as we're taking yes. this past week, and I figured I could talk about it. I, d- I know, Pete, you're not going to want any spoilers. It was Ooh, specifically right. for Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, but on the panel, SAG is still striking. We completely support them. They should be striking. They're fighting for the rights that they deserve. But because they weren't there, it was just Brian Leo Bally and Ben David Gravinsky, who is the co showrunner of the thing, being interviewed. And it was great. I went to a bunch of panels at New York Comic Con. Them just riffing and talking about the process of the thing was. Awesome. They talked about how they recruited, or rather, didn't really recruit Science Saru, who uh, did the animation. How Science Saru was like, they kept sending them suggestions on stuff, and Science was like, oh, thank you so much for suggestions. And (laughs) then they'd get back stuff and it would completely ignore it, and it would be 100% better than what they did. There was, I will spoil one thing because I, I, this is in the trailer. So, it's not really a spoiler. And there's, oh, Pete's taking off his headphones. I, it's I not a
3: spoiler. It's in the trailer.
2: Yes. Absolutely lost my mind to this. So, if you've seen the new trailer on Netflix, they have a parody of the Mortal Kombat theme where yes. instead of shouting Mortal Kombat, they shout Scott Pilgrim. And then they go through the whole character select scene, both the characters from Scott Pilgrim. Ben David Krubinski was saying while they were writing the show, he was listening to one of those 10 hours of the Mortal Kombat theme things on YouTube just to, like, get himself some oh And in the middle of that, he had the idea. He was like, wouldn't it be funny if we did the Scott Pilgrim theme with Mortal Kombat? And then he threw it over to Amanaguchi, who did, I think, music for the movie, which we're going to be talking about in a bit, and yeah. definitely are doing music for the show as well. And uh, they wrote it. It rocked. And then not only that, they got the guy who shouts Mortal Kombat from the original video game. (gasps) Two shots, Scott Pilgrim, which I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. They
3: of. got him out of his mansion because, you know, he makes a couple <laughs> bucks anytime someone uh, really? plays that. And yeah. here, yes, it's a really great residual structure. He's
2: got to he's got to be hanging out with Bay Balladies all the time. You know what I'm talking about?
3: That's things of Bay The guy can turn a fatality into a Bay Balladie. Anyway, Peter's put what a party his
2: headphones on. I just want to say the other. Lopez. This is not a spoiler, but the thing that they were warning about, the key moment to the panel, I think, was somebody shouted, I love you, and Brian Lee O'Malley was like, get back to us in November, which the entire time they were like, we're just warning you, this is not what you expect, this is different. And just you could feel like the nervous, palpable tension in the room. So i am I'm very excited. I just wanted to mention this up top just because, you know, Little bit of news there before we get into the movie. Yeah. Um, but definitely like at right after the paddle, I got home and with my daughter, who is now obsessed with Scott Pilgrim. She read all the books. I was like, Hey, mm. you wanna you wanna watch the movie? And she was like, Yeah, I do. And yeah, so yeah. we watched the movie together and it was a great experience. So
1: So did you that's wanna, the news. Wait, wait, did and you now we're gonna watch
2: the alternate ending uh as well. Well, with... so just to set up what we're gonna do here, we rewatched the 2010 movie. We also rewatched the alternate ending where I will spoil this from the end of the movie, but in the movie that was released in theaters, Ramona flowers and Scott go off together through the subspace door. And then we get the continued countdown. That's how the movie ends. Knives is fine with it. She's like, go get her. You've been fighting yeah. for her the entire time. The original end of the movie was not that the original end of the movie, which you can find on YouTube is Scott stays with Knives, Ramona leaves through the subspace door, and then Knives and Scott go back to doing the dance Mortal Combat style game that they were doing earlier in the movie. They do their routine together, and then they look at each other, and it does the continue that way. So got these two different takes of the movie. Edgar Wright has said that his preferred version is the one that was released in theaters. This is something that was encouraged by Brian Lee O'Malley. They actually ran with the Knives ending originally and Brian Lee O'Malley was like I, 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 that doesn't work for me I don't think you should be doing that audiences also were very mixed on it in terms of test audiences yeah. so ultimately three months before the movie came out they reshot the ending and ran with this thing that ultimately we saw presumably based on this we're jumping all the way to the end here um, but I want to hold off on that for a second. I know, Pete, you don't like holding off on stuff. Instead, I want to just get general impressions of yeah. watching this movie 13 years later. Pete, I know you watch it every day, so I'm going to go to Justin first. Justin, what was your impression watching this again?
3: Well, it's not a joke. Pete watches this movie like on yeah. the break. What do you think, weekly, Pete? Or like Yeah, monthly? definitely.
4: I mean, it's uh, it's a lot. I usually have it on in the background usually, usually? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's crazy so you guys got to turn it down when you have like a work meeting
4: well uh, yeah well, yeah a lot of times i'm doing work it's just me by myself so i'll have something playing in the background helps me focus you know yeah. it's something i'm familiar often
3: with. i put one of my favorite movies on the background to help me focus <laughs> on the <laughs> other yeah. task i'm doing uh well so to my general impression first off that's crazy pete uh pete is insane Uh, Second, uh, I would say, you know, this movie is just so good. It so perfectly captures the comic. It's it's amazing how they distilled these six books down into this movie and really covered most everything that was germane to just this story. That's so cool. Just the opening, it perfectly captures being friends with people in a band. That is something that, like, that's what I always think of, of, like, my friends are in a band or something like that. So that's amazing. And you know what? Watching it this time, I did, it reminded me of something and it explains why I love it so much. One of my favorite shows on television, The Adventures of Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon. If you've never watched that mm-hmm. and you love the Scott Pilgrim movie, it, it, it shares DNA and it shares a lot of ideas and sort of the magical realism of it. And man, just rewatching it today, I was like, Pete and Pete, that's the thing that I knew I loved but didn't ever identify.
2: Interesting. Now, Pete, this is your 5,000th time watching the movie, I believe. Yep. And you did rewatch it for this, which I really appreciate it. Uh, what was yeah, it cause like? Because
4: normally I don't, you know, I'll just watch clips, different fight sequences, stuff like that I'll have kind of play. Because mm. uh, I don't own the movie, but you can watch clips on YouTube. You don't own the movie? <laughs> we should buy it for you.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: You, you you you've should got hold a birthday
2: coming up at some point,
3: right? Sure, sure We all do, technically (laughs)
4: Yeah (laughs) Uh, I just think that this is such a work of art I think that what's great about uh, comic panels and reading a comic is we're seeing moments in time And Edgar Wright does a great job of like the editing, everything is kind of really sharp and very smart and very thought out. And I feel like because comic panels don't have so many pages and so many panels, it's all very kind of meticulous on what we see. And that f- they really do a great job of bringing that to this movie. Um Yeah, I just, every time I see it, I, I, I enjoy something more and more. It's just such a... Well casted. I mean, this movie hits on so many levels. The music, unbelievable. Okay? The fact that they can pull off these actors playing in this band and it really feels and looks like it is unbelievable. The fact that, like, this is so absurd. The realism meets kind of video games, meets, you know, imagination. There are so many things happening. There's little kind of like dialogue boxes. There's, you know, like just so much stuff happening and and different layers. It's there's not a wasted shot. There's not a wasted moment in this whole film. Everything is just so well done, well timed, well articulated. Everything's pointing and telling you a story. There is literally, like, if you pause them, there's like X's in the background of all the, they like number. Each X and each X, you like will have a shirt with their number on it or little things. What? It's it's really talking about. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, Pete's one hundred percent right. I know
3: he's right, but you're getting into some esoteric territory.
4: Well, it's the it's crazy. All the fucking details are in this goddamn movie. I mean, it's (laughs) unfucking believable. That's a pull quote for the Blu-ray edition, the special edition. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: All the fucking details of this fucking movie or whatever you said.
4: There, it Yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's so good. And the casting, <laughs> I mean, you have so many superheroes in this. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Adam and Featured. Captain Marvel are yeah. fucking in a band together. It is so fucking cool. There's just so much great Did stuff. Did you say Cap- Adam instead of Superman for Brandon Routh? Yeah, Adam, dude. He's yeah.
2: Adam. Okay.
3: Wow.
4: He's also Strong Superman, choice.
2: which is a more yeah, famous yeah, character. Yeah, he's Superman. Just Maybe saying.
4: somebody's Superman, but he's definitely my Adam. There's no question about it's it. Al- it's always Superman somewhere. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. Speaking of which, I should be
2: drinking. Uh, the <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> the uh, I think you're absolutely right with everything you're saying, Pete. Edgar Wright... Meticulous director in every single frame, but any movie you watch, he puts so much thought in everything that he's doing. I was doing a little reading back, and it's fascinating to think about, like you were saying, the casting process here. They started making this movie in some form after the first book came out. Um, I think they, I don't know if they officially. Um, paid for it or got the option or whatever the word is for it after the first book, but they definitely started working on it and talking about it in some way while Brian Lee O'Malley was doing the six volumes of it, which is why you don't see anything from finest to hour in there as he was still working on the book. But very similar to George R. R. Martin with Game of Thrones, he told them what was going to happen in the sixth <laughs> still volume. Proper. So yeah. they were able to work that in there. So it does have that span of the book, like you were saying, Justin. Um I think my big takeaway from watching this, don't get angry at me, Pete. Just bear with me for a second because I think what if I get mad? You might get yeah, yeah, mad. Thanks. But I think nice you'll person. understand what I'm saying once I actually get through it. Is super funny movie, extremely well done, great cast. Really enjoy it. I'm a fan of the comic book first. And Mm -hmm. this is one of those books that means so much to me that I even had the same reaction thirteen years later that I did watching the movie, which is like some of these things don't jibe with the way they are in the comic, and they don't they don't feel right
4: to me. Well, I like like, uh, this is I'm not allowed to yell at him until he gets it all out. No, no is no, that it
3: just can we actually talk about this because i yeah. i think this is really interesting and we don't need to be mad about it because we all love this movie especially you pete you mm-hmm. get the trophy uh you get the plus plus seven thousand at the end of this podcast alex and i are going to turn into coins that you yeah, yeah, I'm the fucking hoping you're get
2: the sort of understanding instead of headbutting me but we'll see what happens i guess
3: maybe Uh long shot on that uh because I, I agree <laughs> with you a little bit alex uh the, this movie is especially like, like you're saying, Pete, from an editing standpoint, special effects, detail, casting, the use of bringing comic book elements into movie form, masterful. I just think Edgar Wright in a, not just this movie, but a lot of his movies sometimes misses details that his audience, because there's so many details he's caught up in, misses details that the audience needs. And there are two big ones in this movie, I feel like. One, we don't ever establish that Scott's a great fighter. And especially when you have Michael Sarah playing the role, whose whose whole thing, her persona in most of his movies is like not that I feel like there's this weird disconnect that I think it keeps us a little bit out on the movie as we're getting into it. And then it, the fight starts. You're like, like, yes. And then the musical, the Matt Patel music part starts and the uh, demon hipster girls appear and you're like, Ah, this is too much. I think that part, I've always said this about this movie, goes too far. It's genre on genre on genre. And I think the audience is like, I don't know what's happening here, man. I just got on board with this guy who's a dork fighting. And now you're (laughs) jumping into a musical number. So that part. And then I think the ending is just not there. I think the it's a little bit in the comic similarly done where they just sort of walk off. But in this, and I think it is because of the the juggling between the knives and Ramona ending that it just feels like we worked, did so much great stuff, and then the ending is it's not romantic, romantically satisfying. I feel like there's no big moment. They just walk off in both of them. Now these, again, these, kind of these are just killings. ideas. Yeah. I know, and like that's you don't have to be mad. We're just talking about these things. Yeah.
4: Totally, no, it's fine it, it's just one of those things when somebody says something that makes sense it goes oh there you go but then when you just spew just ridiculousness uh it, it's a little upsetting the 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 layering of the fact of like yes there is uh um you know uh Music, there is sound effects, there is re- references on references loved, on references to, things. uh, uh, bands, to old Nintendo games, to Zelda in specific. I mean, there mm. is music pulled directly from Zelda in scenes. Uh, you know, the bands are named after actual games. Like it's, uh, the it's really. It's really it's really impressive. And so for you to be like, oh, my God, there's too many layers happening here. I don't understand. It's a little upsetting because it's so well done. And
3: that's not what I'm saying. I feel like it's not that there are too many layers. I think the details are amazing. It's just there are those two big pieces that I was saying that I feel like keep the movie that's why i feel like audiences that had never read the comics at first were like what is happening here because we don't the details aren't quite set up and that's not to say that like we know and this movie that's why this movie is such a cult following and is like found a life after it's the- theatrical run because it is so amazing, but I'm just right. trying to diagnose what the, the little bits and pieces are that don't quite work because so much of it is amazing for me. Uh, I'm all of my opinions are for well, And also i whisper I'll them say, into my to back up
2: Pete, like if it helps Pete at all again at the panel, i mind you, they're a little biased and I think they said literally like we're a little biased, but Brian Lee O'Malley and Ben David Grubinsky repeatedly were like, this is a perfect movie. When we were making this Netflix yeah. show, we did not want to mess with this movie because it yeah. is a perfect movie. We couldn't just redo that. We had to do our own
4: thing. I think the the big thing. That, wait, wait, oh, yeah, go wait, ahead. wait, wait. Yes. So I just want to defend the ending a little bit because Ooh, I do what? think. I, I'm
2: excited to hear this because for six episodes so far, plus, plus our entire lives, that's the plus, uh, you've talked yeah. about how the original ending of the
4: movie The Knives the you ending prefer, knives The end.
2: Knives ending yeah. So yeah. go ahead Pete well, I'm just talking about excited. what Justin is
4: saying um, uh, Take it easy Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about in, in regards to what Justin is saying The sloppiness or the uh, Whatever your Bullshit reason was for not liking it that, well, you, I'm just saying, you saying you're, you're, the,
3: you're the rom-com guy You yeah. love rom-coms You love big romantic moments And I feel like this movie is lacking that in the end, is what I was trying to
4: say. Well, I would say what I like about this is it's very different from a rom-com of a clear path of redemption for a character. Clear steps. Mm -hmm. Life isn't that clear. Sometimes it's messy. And what I like about this movie is it does take this moment of, like, he dies. Then Ramona comes to him in the desert and, you know, that's either a Final Fantasy reference or a Wayne's World 2 reference. Either way, they're right. in the fucking no way of uh, desert. That. And there's, uh, <laughs> you know, she's saying, you know, you have to, uh, you know, fight. And maybe it's not for me, right? So there's this thing of, like, here's this guy who's just barely learning to become a human. You know what I mean? He is failing. He doesn't understand things, he doesn't pick up on stuff. It takes him a while to realize after being corrected time and time again about the exes versus boyfriends and um, that kind of thing, he that he gets things, right? And so this guy who's not very good at life is kind of learning to grow and be better. And so this thing of like what's the clear choice, you know, I liked the fact that knives was kind of like you know, go get her this was about you two, and you guys are kind of awful, but uh you do work together, and so you should give it a real try, and mm. them kind of holding hands and going through the star door there, so I can understand of like you want maybe a cleaner kind of ending uh make have it make more sense, but the choose your own adventure of it or the unsurety of the main character brings the nice uh, realness to such a fantastical movie. Hmm. Can I throw something out there that I, and I'm
2: really 100% not trying to rile you up, but I had so many discombobulated thoughts about these two different endings going in many different directions. I do want to talk about the knives ending, but I think, my question about both versions of the ending, whether Ramona goes off by herself or whether she goes off with Scott, is her whole arc is, I'm always running away. To end with her in a place where she is once again running away, whether it's with Scott or herself, doesn't make sense to right. me. I feel like it doesn't show growth.
3: <laughs> yeah, you wanted her to sort of stay. Uh, really? I think, and in I the think comics, that's the choice, yeah. In the comic, it's a little more complicated and there's more sort of departures and, and reconnections. Uh, so it, it does land in a different space. But I get why. I mean, this movie's jam-packed with things. <laughs> like they couldn't, I'm sure just for timing, add a whole nother beat where it is – her deciding to stay because they compress so much of the story, having the knives join the fight, fight Ramona while Gideon is there and all that is happening. So they they sort of have to do it that way, and so I get why they did it. But I to your just, point, Pete, because I, I I just want to say like I agree with you. Like the idea that this is a movie about you finding yourself is 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 true, and like the comic is that as well. The only thing is, I feel like the way they do the ending and the sort of choice that is made, because even if you're not, we didn't know they were choosing between going with knives and Ramona for the end, the way it's just the three of them at the end makes that sort of inherent to the story. I feel like. Mm -hmm. So like, it's hard to not, put the love triangle thing on it because that's what we love love
4: triangle dude i I think
3: that's the way story the stories are and the whole story has been like he has to fight these exes so that he can be with her with ramona so i feel like we need just a little bit of like closure on that in a way rather than just be like you want to walk through this door together boom
4: yeah but that's the thing it also has to be respectful of knives because on the first viewing of this thing, the reason I loved the knives ending of it all and uh, is because it felt like the truest connection because in the movie you see them fight together they team up really well and work together really well and it seems like they do a good job of complementing each other and when knives gets the uh, the highlights punched out of her hair you know scott does jump up and say knives you know like so you do mm-hmm. get to see this real kind of compassion and connection Um, So on my original and then uh, after watching it a bunch and then watching kind of Edgar Wright talk about it and and then him saying that uh, the lovely person who played Knives liked the second ending so much more, that really kind of made me kind of look at it differently.
2: Well, let me throw out a thing, a couple of things about that. And I understand what you're saying, Pete, on this rewatch. I think the Knives ending makes more sense, not for Ramona, like I've already said. I think both endings don't quite work for that. But the Knives ending in terms of having the continue there, having it be like you're saying that Scott and Knives are the people that are actually in sync. They got out of sync, grew as people and ultimately fight together, come back together, stay together at the end. Will they stay together ultimately? That's, I think, the whole point of having the continue go between them. Like, will this relationship continue? Works for me a million times better. The thing that makes it very complicated, which is this weird real world thing, is clearly in the book, Knives is 17. Scott should not be with her 100%. She's little. She's cute. She's an adorable little teen. It's icky. We recognize it's icky. Even Brian Leo Malley recognizes it's icky in the last volume, and ultimately they kiss. In this movie, Ellen Wong is 25. She does not – adorable uh, actress. She does not look 17 at any point of the movie. And I think that creates this complicated thing where, like, you forgive the whole seventeen of it all because she doesn't seem like a seventeen-year-old at some point, and it's kind of okay for her to be to Scott. In the text, it's still not. He still should not be with her. But having Ellen Wong, a person who is eight years older than the role, who does not look like a tiny little teenager, changes the way that you view that relationship, or at least the way that I view that relationship. Quite a bit. I know that's a weird thing to say. I know somebody could clip that out on my presidential run in a couple of mm-hmm. years, but I do think I'm,
3: I can't wait for that.
2: Yeah, I'm so gonna done. have a hard time choosing a, a vice
3: <laughs> vice president. You got mm-hmm. two options. Both of you, you
2: can do two, right? In a bunk double bed, vice. Or whatever. Yeah, double vice. You know what? It doesn't vice matter where city. you sleep.
3: It doesn't matter where you sleep as vice president. <laughs> you don't need to bunk there. President I, vice president doesn't sleep in bunk. What
2: bed. I'm saying is, I think like. I think this is one of the things that is a big difference in terms of reading a comic book where Brian Lillio O'Malley is drawing these characters versus having actual actors playing them. Having Ellen Wong, again, who is 25 years old, play Knives, change the way you see Knives until you think about it as she is still 17 in the text of the movie. Well,
3: yeah. that's the thing. I mean, the, story, I mean, the story is the story. And it's like, you don't... The, it's hard to be like, yes, I want this... Uh, adult to date this child in high school still. Right. So no matter well, how I old any of the It's the actors same
2: thing look. as, like, not to call out a specific TV show because it's with many TV shows, but one that's close to our heart, Riverdale, where it's like, if you think about it, we're watching a bunch of teens have sex on TV, but really we know they're all 25 to, like, 30 years old. So Let's is not it make okay? This any more I don't know.
4: than it needs to be. And also... If that's the clip you're Pete, worried about, what's your about, favorite thing about watching teens have sex? God. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't like it. So, anyways, I, I, I also think that, like, you've do you said do So it? many creepier, weirder <laughs> so things uh, for your presidential run that this is the least of your worries. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I just think that there is just so many funny, like amazing things in this, like. At the start of the movie, when they do the Paramount sign and the eight-bit noise and the theme music, like if you're not having fun, Universal, at that, right? Yeah, Universal. Sorry, okay. uh, I. This, you should just turn off the movie because if that's not fun for you, it's very the, fun. yeah, the whole thing is just going to be. Also, Bill Hader does the voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, and yeah, Brian Lee O'Malley gets a cameo with his wife in there. I, there's just so many layers to this stuff.
3: Well, and let me throw out that, that like we said it a little bit earlier. That the, the casting in this movie is perfect. Just to shout them out, they match. They both match the comics. The, the actors And also Are all, Almost all Bound to f- For much greater fame After this movie
2: Can, can yeah. I give a shout out To one first actually That this yeah. was I think Beyond all the things We talked about Actually my number one Big takeaway From watching it this time The first time I watched the movie Kieran Culkin uh, uh, Was like Oh that's Macaulay Culkin's brother And this time it was like Oh that's Kieran Culkin And Yeah It legitimately Changed entirely the way that I saw the role because I was stuck on the fact that like that's the kid from Home Alone's brother the first time I saw the movie. Now awesome, runs away with the movie, maybe. He is hilarious he in him every him. single scene. They so give him
3: so many so many extra jokes too mm-hmm. that are just like in like extended jokes. He gets to yell so much stuff throughout the course of the movie that it's not even in the comic, really. Just him being funny. Oh. So that's yeah. awesome.
4: The physical comedy of, like, him being passed out and his, like, flip phone open and, like, you know, him still texting, like... The whole
2: relationship between him and Anna Kendrick as Stacey Pilgrim and them just texting each other back and forth all the time, and sometimes, like, not even enough time for that. Great bit. So good. So fun. Um, Just a delight throughout the movie.
4: Also, the the fact that, like, you don't get full sentences here. They're cutting around. They're, like... They're so smart. Like, they're like, oh, the audience can put this together. And it's just like no wasted repeats or like pick. They, one person starts a sentence, the other person finishes it. Like, it's the physical it's comedy. Like, when Scott jumps out the window and Knives shows up and Wallace just moves over, it's hysterical. There's no Shake real, it. I mean, there's editing jokes in here. I mean, there's, there's just a lot so of editing many, jokes.
3: Yeah. It's Edgar Wright is maybe the best director for the edit yeah. working. He, his mm-hmm. his edit is unbelievable, his, the way that he puts stuff together in every single one of his movies. And then- but I continue on the casting, like we got Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona, she's so good. Uh, Aubrey, our girl Aubrey Plaza as Julie. Brie Larson as Envy. Jason Schwartzman as Gideon. It's like they ripped him out of the comic. Yep. And I just watched Asteroid City, the Wes Anderson movie, and he's so good. He's like becoming the Dustin Hoffman of like this movie of generation life. of life of life uh he's gonna murder highlander style dustin hoffman to take his yes. place uh allison pill is kim uh, we already talked about brandon routh chris evans is so funny in this movie all great As casting well. except michael Sarah is not the right guy for scott pilgrim
4: what did what
3: that's the only casting <laughs> not true mistake it's not right
2: for me, given that we have talked about that a lot on this podcast, to get that out of my mind and not have that like, All right, let's see how Michael Sarah is when I'm watching this movie. And I gotta say, I think you're right. I, no. I mean, it's
3: it's I, he's great. He's funny. He's a great performer. And it it really the Scott Negus Scott scene at the yeah. very end of the movie is that's the most Michael Cera yeah. scene, and yeah. that really works. But I think it only highlights how the rest of the movie he's just not the right. Vibe can, can I I was thinking
2: Pilgr- about it the entire time, and I this is one hundred percent because you've been talking about it on the podcast. Um I think Michael Sarah conveys too much intelligence for Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is a lovable, empty headed dummy, and Michael Sarah in most scenes knows what's going on and is aware of it. Like you could see his thoughts. Yeah. Going on at that point in his head
3: That's a great call I would chalk it up to self-awareness Michael Sarah's yeah. whole thing is he's overly self-aware Most of his characters are that That he's more famous for And the whole thing with Scott Pilgrim is a lack of self-awareness That he learns over the course of the story
2: And, so, and I want to emphasize Michael Sarah, very funny in this movie So good, like, very so funny good. Like, I'm
3: yeah. not even saying like He's a bad or anything It's just he's not the Scott Pilgrim from the book In the movie, he, he's, he's great it's just if they had found another actor, I think it would have, again, just turned the dial in the direction a little bit more of this movie. Can just, I,
2: can I throw somebody out there, actually? Because like about halfway through the movie, this thought came to me because, again, I was thinking about the whole Michael Sarah of it all. What if they went back in time and got baby Hitler to play <laughs> Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> I feel like that might have been an interesting choice that would have plussed up the
3: whole thing. It would have changed a lot of things, maybe, I think is what you're saying. That's what
2: I'm saying. Again, I talked about this on an earlier podcast, but like giving them an artistic outlet that would have really made this movie worth it Too, I also think it probably would not have bombed at the box, box office because people have been like, you got baby Hitler to be in a movie. That's a big deal. I got to pay money to see this at the movie theater, maybe get a large popcorn instead of a um, popcorn. It could have been a whole boon for the industry, is I guess what I'm saying. Chris
4: Evans as Lucas Lee is just one of the <laughs> – I think it's, one of, it's probably his best role, just like the way he nails – Real the, quick, not to reverse Pete it too much. He, what do you What do you think about what we're talking about, Pete? I, yeah, it's we, dumb. The, it went on long enough. Um, yeah, but,
3: uh, before we move off it, though, someone – we we talked about this um, in, in our Slack, our Patreon Slack. Uh, Derek Mainhart um, highlighted somebody – because uh, back when this movie was made, it would have been a good call. And not my favorite person, but a, an actor who could really nail this, Chris Pratt.
2: Mm. Nope. Apparently, well, what do you think about this one? Because when I was doing a little reading about this, I didn't realize. So Edgar Wright apparently was like Michael Sarah all the way. That's my only choice. But the studio wanted Seth Rogen. Nope. Mm. Yeah, I'd also go no on that.
3: I think he, that's this. He has the same problem as as Sarah, like the self awareness. Like so much of his roles, he is like too self aware.
2: All right, let's finish up the Wait, casting. No, no, actually, I wanted to. I wanted one last thing. I want to throw out at you. Obviously, he shouldn't be doing anything at this point for a variety of reasons. But just thinking about that group of like Michael, Sarah, Seth Rogen, all those freaks and geeks guys, et cetera, The one who actually has like the right mental state on screen is James Franco. I think. Yeah. And-
3: uh, that's interesting He though maybe is a little too stoner Yeah Like I feel like his just Not even I mean he's been in a lot of like uh, Weed movies But like I think his just vibe is a little like What man? And Scott Pilgrim is also that He's the opposite of that too He's like too engaged He's like yeah, mm-hmm. I'll do that uh, so I don't know. It's a it's an open question, and we can talk about it. I guess once a week for the rest of our lives. Right? Uh,
4: the <laughs> The Punisher being on the vegan police is just unbelievable. Uh, Thomas Jane, to Thomas be yeah. Here. yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, shout
3: out! I know you love seeing him there, and he gets a great joke. A couple, he gets the great high five at the end. Oh my god! And then and then so uh, gelatos. Uh, Brandon Rouse like gelatos not vegan, and he says. It's milk and eggs, bitch. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Just so good.
2: Across the board, I know we already said this, but this movie is very funny, like, in a regular pace in many, many different ways. Like, it very easily, in another director's hand, could have ended up just being nonstop reference humor, and that's it. Like, video games, comic books, here we go. Instead, like Pete was pointing out, it's so layered and thoughtful, And that's where the humor comes from. Like when you do have a reference, like uh, Jason, I keep thinking about this. I don't know why this got stuck in my head after this rewatch, but Jason Schwartzman, when they go into the chaos theater, he does the Willy Wonka leap with his cane down the steps. And it's such a little thing that nobody's like, you're doing Willy Wonka. It's also unnecessary, but it conveys so much of who he is and what he wants and how he thinks of himself that's the sort of thought that's going into every decision in this movie.
4: Hell yes. Yeah. I, I There's just so many quotable, unbelievable lines in this. I'm um, bi-furious. I mean, there's just so by many. Curious co- to buy furious to uh, bi-furious. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm in Lesbians with You. Like, there's just, uh, yeah, just so many... Like every time Lucas Lee opens up his mouth, he has it's some kind of like action movie over the top line. And it's hysterical.
3: Well, the line I highlighted in this one was um, when he's, uh, Scott goes up to the stunt double, and he's speaking so quickly, such a Hollywood jerk. Uh, yep. Sometimes I let him do the wide shots while I get blazed in my Winnie. Yeah. Ooh, that's a fuck. That's like three jokes at the same time. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I
2: love him entering also to the universal theme. That's such yep. an like insane. I don't know how they got that through. We're like, it almost doesn't even match with the rest of the jokes of the
4: movie, but it's such a wild swing. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a callback <laughs> from the opening. I, I it's also like
3: <laughs> yes. the, technically true.
4: The, like, you know, the, their little throwaway lines that are so funny. He's like, I'm a big fan. He's like, why wouldn't you be just like unbelievable, you know, stuff.
2: Well, this is something that we talked about in an earlier episode of this podcast as well, but it's wild that given the long development process of this, everybody was grabbed at exactly the right time. Like they were developing this for, I want to say, I don't know, at least six to maybe 10 years. I, I don't have the dates in front of me, but like a very long time while the book was being put out. And so, Chris Evans, this is somebody who is pre MCU doing one of his last jerk characters before he became Captain America and playing it to the height of his abilities as an action star. I have to imagine this played into him getting Captain America a little bit because they're mm. like, yeah, you're the guy who could command the set. Here's a scene. We could show you us doing that. Or like pre Larson, this was one of her first roles. Um, I will mention, this is going to sound very derogatory. I actually liked Brie Larson, but I read this fact that apparently like Edgar Wright told her, Hey, never blink as envy. Um, will mm-hmm. make that like, you're always engaged, like an anime character. And, that's what Brie Larson does now for her entire life. If you ever see her in anything, she never blinks
4: at any point. So uh, really I also want to talk about the dialogue. Like, the the use of language is just so impressive in this. Like, um, you know, where he's, he's they're at the concert and he's like, that's Todd. And she's like, I know. And he's like, you know? And then he's like, oh, no. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. So much being said with so little difference in letters. Well, can I I say something pivoting off of that that I thought was very interesting? Let me
3: just say real quick, Pete, you're Chris Farley, the Chris Farley showing this movie right now. I know. I know. I have so (laughs) many notes, it's ridiculous. Go ahead. I know, you're just saying lines randomly.
2: One of the things that I thought was interesting about this movie, particularly after rereading the six volumes of the book, is – there's so much room that Brian Liamali has to delve into Ramona and Scott's relationship. Like we talked about, it walks you through these very different stages of a relationship and brings you to, you know, the inevitable place where it ends up. Are they going to be together? Are they not going to be together? Are they going to try again? This movie I thought was interesting in terms of Scott's arc. Like it's very specifically planned out over the boyfriends where he gets. He gets far more frustrated about the evil ex boy for evil exes, excuse me, in this movie than he does in the book. It's a gives him a very different emotional bent. I'm curious mm. what you guys thought about that, if anything.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that I I can't tell if it's not it's just there isn't as much stuff around the of the events because it's so compressed because it's all in one movie. It does feel true to the book. It's just he is constantly annoyed by it because it's happening so often. Mm-hmm. And I think that structure just lets keeps the movie going at such a pace. At the same time, we have the structural element of the Battle of the Bands continuing, which mm-hmm. I think are both – they work so well together to keep everyone involved where we need them. So yeah, I, like- I
4: think I, I I agree with what uh, J.T. Sizz is saying is like because they adjusted for the movie because the pressure is kind of there's all these things happening a little bit faster and there isn't as much downtime that the, like it's getting to him more than it was in the comics. And that's why that's going to amped up a little bit. Um, but I also just wanted to kind of uh, do another tangent when we get the base battle and you're just getting the letter D coming at uh, you, I mean, just, you well, know, and then you got the cups on the floor. There's all these little amazing things happening.
3: I know. Imagine like that many cups on the floor. It's right? crazy.
4: And it's your just base like bass playing is cup- so good. It's moving cups around. I mean, come uh, on.
3: Um, I wanted that may reminds me I want to highlight just like the best comic book moments like I feel like this movie like we were saying a minute ago it uses the comic book as source material and sort of ports a lot of that over but without making it super referency uh, referency and without making it annoying they just Edgar Wright just uses as a shorthand like the editing once he sees Ramona at the party. And then yeah. it, it sees, once he sees Ramona and it's just cut, he's cutting between time because he's not paying attention to anything. Cause he's only thinking about Ramona. So smart. The way the party scene is right out of the comic. Perfect. Uh, you know, the girl that looks like this, it's the drawing yeah. that he holds up. The, uh, the
4: flashbacks that, that the swings, are all animated, like the yeah. comic, like, yeah, just such a great use of the comic in the movie. Just, uh, and the, how the, Like, any chance they get, they're really kind of using that.
3: And shouts to the X-Men jacket. Seeing that in real life is amazing.
4: I want that so bad.
2: So bad. I need that jacket. Please, somebody send me that jacket. Um, That's great. I also really love the stuff that's pulled right out of the book. But it's also fun watching this afterwards and seeing things that are surprises. Like, I think my biggest laugh this watch through was – when he takes knives to his apartment and says, Hey, do you want to see the place where I grew up?
3: Yeah. She yeah. says,
2: Oh, absolutely. And they yeah. turn around and he's like, here it is. Yeah. So <laughs> but There's
4: so many fun things like that, where he's like on the phone outside the coffee shop. Okay. I'll be right in. And he walks right in and she's gone. It's just like, I mean, the fact that like, anytime someone says his hair is shaggy, it's he has a hat on all of a sudden, just great. Great uh, joke. Funny. So many fun jokes.
3: Uh, very fun. The other thing I'm going to show uh, the line, um, what are you doing? Getting a life. And he grabs the one up. <laughs> yeah. What a trailer <laughs> moment. What is the <laughs> great. It's like, that's the, that's symbolic of the whole project. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Uh,
2: who else have we talked about? We haven't talked about Alison Pill as Kim Pine. And we spent <sighs> so much time talking about Kim Pine with the volumes of the book.
4: How do you feel about her? How do you feel about Kim Pine's treatment in the movie? It's it, you go through a lot with Kim Pine because you, you really love her more as the movie goes on and the moment where he kind of has that apology that's from the comic like sorry for being me like and earns that sword it's such a great moment um, because Kim Pine like e- like she is so sarcastic and so fun and such a great kind of source for a lot of things in this movie the fact that like you know, we have these powerful Kim Mine, Pine moments. It's just so, so well done. It is. They, You know, we
3: lose a lot of the larger character. She's much more of just like a bit player meant to be just like jokes. And then a little bit of Scott history there, because like you're saying, Pete, in that moment, and we get to see her giving truly the most micro micro smile before it cuts away from her face when he said when he apologizes to her which i think is great Pill Pill's perfect for the role oh, i think but we lose like so much of the kim pine stuff that we've been speculating about isn't in the movie that, and we lose the whole Lisa storyline also from the yeah. comics here. She's mentioned, but we never ever see her.
2: Or yeah,
4: no, no cat either. There's no cat, you know? Yeah. It's a very different thing, that. but get
2: back to what there is. There's no Gideon cat, but they do dress up as kitty cats for Gideon. So maybe that's, mm.
3: there think, you go. I
2: don't know. I, I appreciate what they do for a movie in terms of streamlining it with Kim Pine and Steven Stills and the band to the Battle of the Bands getting co-opted by Gideon, then playing at the Chaos Theater at the end. I think that all works nicely for a movie. But like I I think you guys are saying, I miss Kim Pine in this movie. We don't Alison Pill, hilarious, so good in the role but it's not Kim Pied for the books and does not have the same connection as with Scott Pilgrim. And I, I want that. Because it's there I'm though. The,
4: it's there. It's just, there. we don't get it. it I, I it's, think less is more a little bit with that because it's it, such a great relationship that like, yeah. Oh, it's just so perfect. I love it so much. I'm so, so very protective of it. Sorry. Go ahead. Justin. You're something's,
3: something's coming into focus here for me based on this conversation. Alex loves the comic. No doubt about it. He keeps talking about the yeah. comic. Pete loves the movie. He watches it, let me say, too much. <laughs> I love the animated show that we're about to watch because it's the most recent. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so recent. Yeah. It's so recent it hasn't come out yet. And so I know um, I'm going to love it the most. You're going to love oh it the gosh, most. There wow. we
2: go. Yeah, it's going to um, be real tough for what us. What else about the movie, though? We've obviously oh, been skipping so around much. a bunch. Are there – oh, we didn't talk about Mae Whitman at all. I, I wanted to talk about – oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no I also I want to May talk about Whitman. casting. Mae Whitman is one of my absolute favorite performers of all time. She is so funny as Roxy in this movie. The we talked about this back when we were reading the volume, but like at the that's something that actually goes retroactive to the comic for me is I can't think about Mae Whitman delivering the line you punched my boob without yeah. hearing her voice yeah. in my head. She's so good and one of the original things for this movie After that I think beat. really works is the fight where Scott says, I can't fight a girl. And Ramona says, no, but you have to take her down. So Ramona basically puppeting Scott. Good relationship texture and layering at this point when Scott is very frustrated by her and frustrated by the whole situation. He feels like he's being puppeted by her anyway. So naturally, he she takes her fists and fights Roxy. Um, I love that whole sequence. I think it's great.
4: Uh, yeah, I just yeah. want to say, uh, still Stephen Stills, the you know the the guy in the band is just the way he like freaks out and is stressed and is first one to sign the deal. Like, just so such a fun, uh, unbelievable character.
2: Uh, I would the, just say on that, the guy who plays Stephen Stills, who I don't remember the name of. He, to me, feels like the most directly just like right out of the comic. Maybe Jason Schwartzman is Gideon graves as well. But Stephen Sills is like from the page directly onto the screen.
4: The guy who says the comic book is better than the movie, though, is also straight from the comic book, too. Oh, is that Koma? Michael Koma? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, Mark Weber played Stephen Stills.
4: I will say about Michael Kobo, they had
2: a very weird exchange at the New York Comic-Con panel where somebody asked if Michael Kobo was going to be in it. And they are like, ooh, we can't say for spoilers. Would be interesting
3: if he was.
2: And I was like, what does that mean? What What does that mean? What does that mean?
3: He's a character that, in the comic and the movie, is like, I'm like, why? This character's given a lot of, like, spotlight relatively Mm -hmm. but doesn't ever do anything or have any relationships with anyone he just is the guy at the party and he gets a good couple good jokes in the movie the comic he always feels like he's more important than the story Mm -hmm. like lets him be so i i'm very curious what that that quote from the con
4: means i yeah i just think that there are people like that i also think that yeah he does kill it in this though The, the we're going to pizza, pizza. I mean, there's just so many fun, amazing lines that he gets. I mean, the dialogue, and the writing of this is just uh, should be studied. It should, uh, should be I, a I feel like you guy. are studying it. You are yes. studying it.
2: Pete. Looking down the cast list here, we haven't mentioned Johnny Simmons as
4: Young Neil. No, oh, yes. Young Neil. When he gets, I you know that's. It's funny because you know you get different moments, and he calls him Neil earlier. I caught it. Um, but yeah, the the kind of like, you know, kind of knighting him, just Neil moment is so great. In the comics, it's it's almost a little bit better, but man, it's still really badass. Yeah. And then I think we mentioned pretty much everybody except for
2: Satya Baba as Matthew Patel, uh, mm-hmm. who I think is good. Like, like you yeah, said, great. it's a tough thing because... There's already some weirdness in the movie, but definitely in the book, Matthew Patel is the first thing where it's like, uh, what is happening here? So he has to establish a lot of stuff all at the same time. Pete, if you don't want spoilers, take off your headphones. I will mention one other thing for the panel here, is they kept talking about how everything is different to the show. And mm-hmm. they said, you know what? Actually, let's show you a scene from the first episode That'll depict how different it is And they showed off a scene It's Gideon in a like Straight up Cartoon anime evil lair Matthew Patel comes in And is like We need to activate the league of evil X's. I'm going to go kill Scott Pilgrim And it's exactly that sort of scene you think of So I think there's going to be a lot more Of Matthew Patel potentially in the show Which is cool. interesting
3: So we'll see Yeah I mean, it makes sense. They're like they're looking at the the movie and everything in the book, and they're like, "What parts of this story haven't we seen?" So stuff mm-hmm. like that makes total sense to be in this animated show. That, as I said, is
4: already my favorite. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I want to talk about, which was real different from the comic to the movie, is the fact that the band doesn't suck as hard as it does in the comic. That's a good thing. In to the bring movie, up, yeah. they're really good. They joke about sucking, and they have bad sets, which I think is very real but overall they are uh, you know they deserve their w's that they get in you know the battle of the bands because they are really good two things that I'll say about that one I keep needing to bring this up that
2: this is not exactly the right place but that initial shot which is a little different from the book where knives mm-hmm. sees sex bomb Bob play for the first time and in mm-hmm. the book it's so great because it's this is close up on her as she gets stars in her eyes yeah. they do that but with the room widening, oh, as the yeah, so rug gets long, it's so that cool. That shot is so good. Such a great shot. So yeah. good. And it gets across the same thing and mm-hmm. it does it in the same way. You get the lights of the the camera lights, like the lights behind the camera in Knives' eyes in a very similar way. I absolutely love that. The other thing so I'll good. mention, not to keep calling out this panel, but uh, Brian Leomali, we've interviewed him. He jokes about everything all the time. There were a lot of things that he said at the panel that people were like, how dare he say that? And he was very clearly joking at the panel. But one thing I don't think he was joking about is somebody asked him, and I think this was the first question, do you think sex bob sucks? And he was like, no, I don't. I actually think they're really good. So there you go. Canonically, whatever they say in the book – Brian Lee uh, thinks that they're actually a good band. Also,
4: the not yeah, only is they the, gotta be good. the music great, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the fight sequences are just, they do such a good job of amping them up. And then like, and you, when you think you're kind of fight exhausted, we're like, nega, Scott, do we really got to do this? It's such a smart, fun thing to let us off the hook and they're just going to go get brunch sometime. I mean, just fantastic. Great job. Yeah, I, no, the wire work, I, the the use of weapons like Ramona pulling that hammer out, um, you know, which at the time when when kind of like the movie first came out, I was like, that's an I Kill Giants rip off. But I just think that just just so well done.
3: I guess the best thing to do now is Alex, you and I can turn our cameras off and peek and just keep talking about this for a while.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no. that sounds good. Any other notes for the movie, though, before we start to wrap this thing so up? So
4: many. Are you serious? Yeah, I go mean, for it. Pete, just do your list. Do it. Okay. All right. So, the use of like the title card and the graphics in this movie are unbelievable. <laughs> we
3: already, just chase stuff Wallace's that we've already talked about.
4: Apartment, and then the, all these little things come up and point out all the things that aren't Scott's but uh, are Wallace's. Yeah. Just so great. I mean, the, book, the fact the that comic. young Neil gets kind of blown away by when someone talks to him and is like, you know, what do you play? And he's like talking about life. He's like, well, I played Tetris and it plays. It's kind of a big question, you know, like just unbelievable Fun. stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, the screenplay by Edgar Wright and uh, Michael Bacall. I mean, the fact that Edgar Wright's fingerprints are all over this is just such a good sign of a great rights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because not oh, if I Edgar writes, I don't want to be Edgar see, wrongs. You know, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the oh, okay. I'll, I'll 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 yield my time, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I, you're not gonna walk through the entire movie. For the I next was two called, hours? I could. I have all the notes to do it. <laughs>
3: right. No one's doubting you. Just to be <laughs> yeah. clear, this yeah. isn't a dare situation.
4: Well, I I gotta say.
2: Even though we had a fair amount of criticism, particularly me and Justin here, I, I think the movie won this one. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's, I think it's too bad. Once again, we lost to Scott Pilgrim. Well, so, but
3: I believe I know we have the series coming up, but yeah, I have a maybe there's a way we can definitely win, Alex. Do you think so? An like like then, some sort of uh, bonus round? Like a, a bonus uh, episode where we can maybe get into the Scott Pilgrim game. Mm. Something we could easily right. defeat.
2: Okay. Beating I, I the think you're going beat that. Mostly video games suck. People don't like video games. Oh my God. They're not well, gonna, as good as anything. So I'll tell you oh why. I think that's a great idea, Justin. Next episode, we're going to play Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe, I think is the name of the game. Or yeah, Scott Pilgrim I don't,
3: the, world, the game. I've been playing it a lot. And <laughs> Ooh, it's very no
2: spoilers. Fun. Uh, But yeah, we're going to play that. We're going to talk about that because that is also a canonical thing as part of the Scott Pilgrim verse. Before we get into Scott Pilgrim takes off for real on Netflix, which apparently is going, they recommend it to people. They're like, if you can't watch it immediately, throw your phones in the garbage because somebody is going to ruin it for you. So Big stuff is going to go down in the show. I'm very excited. I'm very nervous. But next episode, we're going to talk about the video game. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Scott Pilgrim, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, Comic Book Club Live for this podcast and more. And next time, let gonna be the one? I, I I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. We got a W
3: coming up. That's for sure. And Pete, just next time we do an episode, just like please watch the movie, have a couple notes because I feel like <laughs> he, did he I fucking stutter?
1: <laughs>